series called Kingdom Builders. Um, and very simply, most of us uh, want to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. I think that's a fair statement, isn't it? I think most of us want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves, that we would be in a place where it's not just about us, it's just not about me. I'm not living this small little life. I'm actually living this big life and making a difference. And we want to experience life in such a way that it really matters. Um, I, I think deep down within each of our souls is this longing to make a difference. I've, I've always believed that. That's part of the reason why as a church we believe that lives change and fulfilled in Jesus is our mission so deeply because fulfillment in what God created me to be is just a part of who we are. And so in this series we're kind of talking about that. But, here's, here's the but, but many of us never experience what we want or dream of because we're, run, we're running contrary or against God's plan and design for our lives. In other words, we're not going with God, we're going against God. We're, we're wrestling with the God of creation, of all things. And how many of you know if you wrestle with God, it doesn't always turn out in your favor, right? And so that's what's happening for a lot of us. And so during this series, we're, we're exploring this different reason for living. In other words, what's my motivation? Because a lot of times the reason why we're contrary is we're living in opposition in regards to our reason for living and what we're going after. And so we're exploring this idea for a different reason for living, and that is the kingdom of God, that God would have us be all about his kingdom. And so to become kingdom builders, that's what we're calling this whole series. So our key text is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It's part of the Lord's Prayer. Many of you are familiar with that, but, but we're using it as kind of a, a mantra, if you will, for life. In other words, if I'm going to really be fulfilled and experience life, I need to understand this truth that is woven into the first few words of this prayer that Jesus gave us. And here's what it says. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And here's our phrase, your kingdom come. Can we all say that together? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so let me just ask a question real quickly right off the bat. What is the kingdom of God? What is this? And simply what the kingdom of God, your kingdom come, what that means, it's the rule and the reign of King Jesus over the hearts and the lives of his people. We're all his people. In other words, it's happening. I was thinking about this more. A lot of times, well, does his kingdom come and happen if I don't submit or yield or be a part of it. The reality is it happens no matter whether you say yes or no. God is supreme and sovereign over all things. And it says in scriptures that eventually every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to his glory. In other words, it might not be that you're yielded to it now, but in time, all people will be a part of this rule and reign of what Christ is doing in his creation. It is also the working, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the plan and the process of God's divine design for each one of our lives. In other words, it's this, out, this outgoing or this unveiling or this un, unraveling, if you will, this plan, this process that God had since the beginning of time for your life and my life. It is this kingdom that God had planned and in in, in envisioned for all of us. And then also, last thing, what is the kingdom of God? It is the activity, and this is where it gets personal, of God's peace in me. How many of you could use a little peace, right? Yeah, a lot of us. It's the activity or the presence of who God is and what God does in my life. 
So it could be peace, it could be joy, it could be hope, it could be faith, but somehow it all comes alive in this idea that the peace and the power of who God is is active in my life. And I think most of us, if we were asked the question, do you want God's peace and his power in your life, you would say, yes, that's, I want that, I, I, I need that, I desperately need that. And so this prayer of Jesus, your kingdom come, embodies that thought. So let me give you a couple observations as we consider our key text for a moment. A few things that jump out from it, kind of a a mini sermon, if you will, based on our key text. The first thought is this, and this is in your notes. If you want to follow along, you can fill in the blanks. And it's this, that the kingdom comes when I begin to align myself with the Father. That's when the kingdom really comes alive. It comes in us. In other words, the life that I was created for starts with and originates with a right relationship to God the Father. In other words, it all begins at that same spot. How am I in relationship to the Father of all creation? How how am I in relationship to Him? Because everything that we desire in life and satisfaction and fulfillment comes because of this one relationships. And so aligning myself with that is so critical. So He is like For example, he's my source, he's my satisfaction, he's my identity, he's my shelter, he's my help, he's my refuge, he's my hope, he's my joy, he's my peace, and the list goes on and on. And I realize that everything I need in life comes because of my relationship to the Father in heaven. And so I align myself with that. That's the first thing. The second thing is the kingdom comes when I yield myself to his authority. That little phrase, hallowed be your name, it's a very powerful phrase. Because really what it means is I'm yielding myself to a name that is greater than my own. I'm recognizing that there is a name that is above every other name. There is a God who rules supreme over all things and all situations and all circumstances. And I come to the place in my life where I yield, hallowed be your name, not mine. And when that happens, the kingdom starts to come alive. The kingdom comes alive in us. And the life that I was created for emerges or flows from a heart that recognizes God's greatness and his authority over my life. In a real practical sense, it's understanding that God can call the shots. See, a lot of us here today, we struggle to experience this kingdom of God thing that we're talking about because we're still calling all the shots. And to yield to his authority is saying, Lord, you call the shots because you're better at it than me. And so that's part of this process. And the last one, as far as just an observation from our text, is the kingdom comes when I fully welcome his will. His will. Your kingdom come. Your plan. Your idea. Your your will. When I welcome his will, Lord, I want what you want. And really this last idea that's from our text has to do with want. What do you want today? What do you want is it, do you really want what God wants for you, or do you just want something else? Because the kingdom is really based on this idea of wanting what God wants. And so, the, the Lord, I want what you want. I want to do what you're doing. I want your kingdom to come, your will to be done. I am opening the door and welcoming your will into my life. That's the kingdom. And so all those things are part of our key text. So... Last week, this, I might have to do this a few times a day, sorry. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. 
So last week, uh, we kicked off the series talking about what a kingdom builder is. Um, you know, and, and we talked about things like a kingdom builder is a person who has a kingdom vision. I mean, that was, that was last week's big idea. What is this kingdom builder? It's a person with a kingdom vision. It's seeing what the king sees and what the king wants to do. I see that, and I'm embracing it, and I'm committed to it. I'm part of that. And we talked about the vision for Southridge Church in 2018, which if you weren't here last week, we're going to keep highlighting it and talking about it more over the next couple of weeks. But this year, for example, we want to see 100 lives committed to Christ for the very first time. Yeah, yeah, come on, yeah. I mean, what that means is we're saying we want to see 100 individuals that have not experienced the grace and the goodness and the forgiveness and the freedom of Christ to finally come to that place where they realize that. That's one of our visions here for Southridge this year. Another one was to see our attendance jump to 500 on an average and regular basis. That's a 100-person jump in where we're at right now. To go on five mission trips. Right now, we already have five mission trips scheduled, and there's enough room for probably, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but about 10 to 15 people per team, roughly, right? You know? So spots are limited, but we're, we're wanting to open that door and see what happens there, to see that take place. That's a vision. To see at least 25 spiritual leaders raised up and called up into significant spiritual leadership positions at the church. To see you, who I believe is already in the room right now, that you're here and God has you here because he's wanting you to do something significant in the lives of other people, but for whatever reason, you've got to respond to the call of God and say, God, I'm your person, use me. And so we're believing for that this year. And the last thing is to give $200,000 towards Kingdom Builders projects. Can I get a book? Woohoo. You're like, what in the world does that even mean? Oh, here's what that means is that over the next couple weeks, we're going to get specific into what that means. But we've been praying about making a bigger impact as a church. And, and so we want to just give our efforts collectively and focused on projects that we believe will help us impact not only our church home as, as, in the, as a group, but also the world around us. So we're talking about church expansion. We're talking about global projects. We're talking about leadership development. And we've got all these things broke down, and it's exciting. And we're going to be talking about it specifically over the next couple of weeks, what a kingdom builder is in relationship to this $200,000 goal that we think God has called us to. So a vision, a vision, kingdom vision. The second idea that we've talked about with kingdom builders is a kingdom builder is a person who has a kingdom commitment, a commitment that I'm not just, it's just not a kingdom idea. It's, it's a kingdom decision to give myself wholly to what God is doing. In other words, I'm all in for what God is wanting to accomplish. I'm all in. Lord, I'm yours. You do whatever you want to do. I'm yours and make it happen. And the last thing we talked about, and this is where we want to spend some time today, is a person who is kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded. And that has to do with things like your thoughts, condition of your heart, which we're really going to talk about today. And it has to do with just who I am as an inward person. I mean, that inner person of who I am, the heart of what's going on. So today I want to drill down into that critical aspect and, and really get into this idea of what God would have us to be in our hearts. So here's a fill-in-the-blank for you. The kingdom of God starts and emerges out of the condition of our hearts. Would you just look at the person next to you and say, how's your heart? How's your heart? Do it to both of them because maybe the person on the other side really needs you to ask that. 
And that's another opportunity for me to take another drink of water. So, so how's your heart? You know, uh, kingdom builders, simply put, have a kingdom heart. And kingdom builders experience the kingdom of God by having the inner person of who we are aligned and yielded and welcoming this kingdom of God idea. That, that's this inside thing. It happens inside me first and foremost. And so we have to address this heart issue. Sadly, though, most of us never give much attention to the condition of our hearts. For many of us, we're just going through the motions of life with little or no concern to the quality and the conditions of our hearts. And what I'm talking about is that inner person. In other words, we're really concerned about what everybody thinks it looks like, but we really don't give much time about what it's really like. And we have to give attention to that because Jesus says that the very thing that matters most in the kingdom is the condition, the reality of where you are as a person on the inside, not all the peripheral behaviors that we so often get lost in. And so we have to address this thought of the heart. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, he said, the kingdom of God is, say it with me, within you. It's within you. It's something that's happening within. It starts within. Here's, here's another verse, one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 4.23, is guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. For, check out what it, why. For it determines the course of your life. So this idea of the, the condition or the, the, the attitude or, or what's going on in my heart actually has great impact on where I end up in life. And so I have to wrestle with this idea a little bit. Here's another verse, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It says, and Jesus said this, he said, Love the Lord, your God, with some of your heart. Just check and see if you guys are even following with me. With all of your heart, right? To, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. All, 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 all. This idea that somehow my heart is fully committed to what God is doing. And then because of that, if you go on and you kind of read through that text and what he's talking about in Mark 12, Jesus was saying this, and he was saying, if you do this, this all in with your heart kind of thing, you will fulfill God's kingdom plans for your life. So it has to do with my heart. I can't, I can't get away from this idea. Here's, here's another one. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. Jesus said, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. What does that mean? What's, what's, he, what's he getting to? What's the point there? And here's the point, I believe, for us today, is that how I live or spend my life now reflects the condition of my heart. And so I have to wrestle with this heart issue and try to figure it out. So today... What I want to do is just real quickly, real briefly, is, is just try to answer or, or look at, if you will, a heart that reflects the kingdom of God. What, what heart should I have? What heart should we have as a, as a church body, as a people, or, or as a husband, or a wife, or a co-worker? What, what's the heart that I can have the kingdom of God experience in my life? What is that? And so I want to highlight just a few just a few things that Jesus said or, or taught that might help us understand the condition of the heart and how we should reflect it so we can experience the kingdom of God. So let's just jump in. And the first one is a broken heart. It's a broken heart. You know, some of you are like, wait, yeah, I got this. So I got a broken heart. But there's two different kinds of broken heart in Scripture. 
Okay? There's, there's the broken heart that's broken because life has been unfair and things have happened and I'm hurting. That's, that's broken. That's a whole nother, you know, a loss of a loved one, you can be broken. You know, a loss of a job, you can have this sense of brokenness. And it's not this sense of being defeated in your heart or wounded in heart, which, by the way, Jesus is the master of healing that kind of brokenness. That's what he does. But there's another kind of brokenness that God wants us to have that is brokenness of heart that gives way to the kingdom of God. Check out the scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It says, blessed, and I love the Amplified version here, it says, blessed or spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired. How many could use some of that? All right, all three of you, the rest of you, you got to keep praying, keep going. And so spiritually prosperous, happy and to be admired are the, and here's the broken phrase, the poor in spirit, the poor in spirit, that those that are broken or poor in spirit and then it gives a definition in Amplified. I love it. Those that are devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. For, here's the phrase, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, both now and forever. In other words, when I get to the point where I realize that this broken heart issue is valuable right now and it will be valuable later on, I go, oh, that's the reflection that I need to have inside of me. So, so what's that mean? It means things like, I'm empty of myself. I'm empty of myself. And it's being able to say, and I was thinking about this all week, with all honesty, from Isaiah 6, woe is me. Woe is this idea, man, I'm messed up. Woe is me. I am undone. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to make it look like something it's not. I'm not going to give you a phony picture of who I am. I'm finally coming before God and before anybody else that wants to know about it. I'm desperate because I'm undone. I'm broken in heart. And at that moment, this is what I believe happens. The Lord looks at that person and says, you're the one that the kingdom of God is going to happen in. You're the one that the kingdom of God is going to take place in. Woe is me for I'm undone. Another thought that I had as I was just praying and thinking about this scripture was this, is it's not saying, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I think what happens a lot of times is that this idea almost gets there, almost comes alive, and this almost happens, and all of a sudden we start to rationalize and excuse and justify all the behaviors and attitudes and say, that wasn't fair if it wasn't for them and all these kind of things, and we go through this whole list and we come to the end of it and say, well, I'm not that bad. And we miss the broken heart. We miss the broken heart because we've made excuses for our heart that never allowed us to get truly to that place that we needed to be. Here's another thought. It's standing before God in life with no excuses and simply saying, I need help. See, some of you here today, you need to hear that. See, some of you are so miserable and missing out on the great things, the blessing that God has for you, the, the prosperous spiritual prosperity and happiness and to be admired and all the things that you dream of being because simply you've never come to the point where you cry out to God and say, God, I need you to help me. I'm broken. 
I'm undone. There's, there's something. I'm, I'm not that great. I'm not, I haven't figured out. And I was thinking about it in my own spiritual journey. Years ago, when I finally gave my life to Christ, when I was 20 years old, I came back. And you know what I realized at that point that was the big difference in my life? Is I finally said this to the Lord. Lord, I've really screwed this up. I really screwed this up. Almost got a divorce. Almost lost being a parent of my child. I mean, I've really screwed this up because I'm not yielded and aligned or welcoming. I didn't know all those words then. I was just saying, man, I've just really screwed this up. And really what it was is it was the moment I cried out to God and actually said with all my heart, I need help. And see, for some of you here today, that's the first step. is just to simply admit that and realize that you're poor in spirit and, and you're not all that. You know, right? Maybe we should look at each other and say that. You're not all that. So some of you have been waiting for that kind of opportunity for a long time. So let me go to the second one. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is a humble heart. A humble heart. A humble heart. You know, and some of you say, Well, I'm humble. And I was like, Well, hang on there. Okay. <laughs> right? A humble heart. Matthew 18, 1 through 4, it says this, Jesus having this encounter with his disciples. And it says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which is an interesting phrase because I think that for many of us describes where we're at, if we're really honest, is we're trying to get to the next level. We're trying to get to the next position or the next promotion or the next notice me, see me, you know. We, we have this drive inside of us that says, I want to be somebody, and I want people to know that I'm somebody, right? And so he says to them, and they say to him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They were kind of jockeying for position. And Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You won't even get in. <laughs> you won't even get in. He goes on, he says, So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So this idea of humility and humbleness in heart is huge to this kingdom idea that Jesus is trying to invite us to. And so here's some thoughts about this one. The only position a kingdom heart desires should be a bowed-down position. A bowed-down position. In other words, the only position that I should long for if I truly want the kingdom of God to happen in my life is not one that says, notice me or see me or recognize me, but just the opposite. I'm bowing down and I'm humbling myself so that he can be spotlighted, so that he can be exalted I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm trying to elevate him, being Jesus. I'm not trying to make a, a bunch of my life. I'm trying to make a bunch of his life. I'm trying to give all the spotlight and all the attention to the one who is worthy of it in the first place. I'm not trying to be great. I'm trying to make him great because he is, and I'm all that I am because of him. John, 30 verse, John 3, verse 30 
John the Baptist says it this way, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Many other versions say it this way, he must increase, but I must, anybody know the answer? Decrease. This idea that I humble myself and I bow down before who God is, and because there is no self-promotion in the kingdom of God, there is only Jesus' promotion. And the more I walk in humility of heart, and the more, the more at that moment the kingdom of God comes alive in me. So if I could do anything in life that's actually going to position me in the kingdom of God more than anything else, obviously a broken heart, but to bow down constantly. To bow down constantly. To always check myself to make sure I'm not positioning or trying to promote myself or elevate myself, but I'm always in a position where I'm elevating him, that I would be a part of that. Now, there's a little thing inside this text I think is important, and and it's tucked in to this little exchange, if you will, with his disciples, and Jesus gives us another glimpse of, uh, of an aspect of the heart that's connected to humility, and here's what it is. He says, unless you turn from your sins... Unless you turn from your sins, which we don't always put humility and repentance together, but they are. This idea that humility and repentance coincide with one another is very important. Repentance is very simply this, is I'm going to do a 180 from the direction that I was going in another direction to go where God is going. I want to be a part of that alignment, if you will. And so this idea of Unless you turn from your sins, I I just thought about it this way. I can't claim humility or a humble heart if I'm actively engaged in a lifestyle that is counter to the kingdom of God. I can't be humble if that's part of who I am. I mean, just think about that. I, I can't, those two things can't work together. So, so somehow this bowing down is also bowing down, but it's turning around at the same time. Those two things go together in humility and humbleness before the Lord. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. Talk amongst yourselves once again. Is... A generous heart, a generous heart, a generous heart. Matthew 19, verse 23, and actually you probably could read 23, 24, and 25. They're all kind of one connected story. But Matthew 19, 23 gives us the idea here. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, I assure you that most solemnly, in other words, he's like, get this right because this is true. I say to you, it is difficult for a rich man and, he, and there's a description here, who clings to possessions and status as security to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is not saying? Here's what that's, this text is not saying. To be rich is sin. That's not what it's saying. It's the love of money, which is the root of all evil, right? It's not money. It's the love of it. And so what Jesus is saying is that people that cling to or hold on to the stuff of this life as status or me, look where I'm at, they're actually in a position where they're missing out on the kingdom of God in a very real way. So the opposite of that is this generous heart. So many times the condition of the heart is revealed by how we interact with the stuff of our lives. How tightly... I cling to it. Jennifer 
came last night, and she said, I want to sell everything. I'm like, I started having a little anxiety attack. She gets in these moods every once in a while, about like every Tuesday and Wednesday and then every other Tuesday. And, yeah. But she comes to me and she says, honey, I, I, I'm going to list our bookcases. And, you know, that bookcase that you made for me as a gift when we had nothing back in the... Back in the I'd like to sell that too. I was like, well, well, I guess when I'm gone, you can get rid of everything. Right? And, and so... You know, I, I realized as, as she was talking is that, I, you know, I really don't care about that stuff, but there's a part of me that still clings to it. You know, and, and that question is, is am I kingdom driven or am I stuff driven? Does it really matter, all that stuff? Not really. So, honey, sell away. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. But this generous thing, you know, how do I interact with the stuff of our lives. And, and here's the question. Are we clinging to it? Are we clinging to our check accounts and the, the latest, greatest 401ks or whatever our investments are? Are we clinging to those things? Is that where we find our security and our status? Is that how we define who we are? Because Jesus is saying, you know what? This is going to cloud your ability to experience the kingdom of God. It's going to cause some problems or is the stuff of life trying to replace the person of life who is Christ? You see, a lot of us, and let's just be very honest, we get those two things confused a lot of times. We look at what we have and we think that's really our security and that's our status, when in reality what we need to look to is the person and the work of Christ in our lives to be our security and status. It's a hard thing to transition, but it's so true, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. So things like being greedy or being stingy are actually opposite characteristics of those who are in the kingdom of God. So to be greedy is actually to be in direct opposition to what God wants to do. Jesus came to give his life. The, the father so loved the world that he gave his son. I mean, it's the heartbeat of the kingdom is this giving generosity of who and what, of what we have. Greed even based on our text that we just read, actually becomes a roadblock to experiencing the blessings of God. And many of us, I believe, need to pray this prayer. Lord, I'm not coming before you to get something. I'm coming before you to give something. I'm not looking at my life as an opportunity to gain more. I'm actually looking at my life as an opportunity to give more. I'm not looking at my resources in mine. I'm actually looking at the resources in my life as something that you've placed in my hands to steward in such a way that brings you the ultimate glory and honor in how I do it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And so a true kingdom heart is not living to get, but to give. And so this generous heart is a big part of it. One last statement before I close with the last, last idea here is that giving is what breaks the chains of selfishness in our lives. It's what breaks the chains. How many of you get around a selfish person and you just go, man, that drives me crazy. That person drives me crazy. They're so selfish. They're so selfish. And what breaks the chain of selfishness is generosity. It's, it's what frees you. And maybe it's you. You're just like, man, I'm struggling with being selfish. It's what frees you at the same time. And so maybe, just maybe, God is wanting you to experience the kingdom of God. And the pathway for you is to have this heart that is full of generosity 
that gives it all away and understands that that's where your freedom's at. Last one is that it's an open heart. An open heart. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. People were, were bringing, <coughs> excuse me, people were bringing children to him so that he would touch and bless them, which I love that idea because that's the heart of God. The heart of God is to touch and bless your life. That's, that's who God is. That's what God wants to do. But the disciples reprimanded them and discouraged them. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, too, that so many times we're the very people that get in the way of what God wants to do? He goes on, it says, from, from coming, verse 14, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, allow the children to come to me. Do not forbid them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then this last little phrase, I assure you, I assure you and most solemnly say, say to you, whoever does not receive and welcome the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Receive and welcome like a child. So what does like a child mean? Like a child. What does it say about the kingdom of God? I was thinking about what, what is it like a little child? You know, I've got all these grandbabies right now. Most of the time, they, they think I'm like the coolest person ever. Every once in a while, they, they don't because I tell them no, you know, but that happens, right? But most of the time, they think I'm the coolest guy ever, you know? I get, I get FaceTime calls every day from little Juniper, and she just wants to say two words, hi, Papa, hi, Papa, you know, she's a year and a half, right? And there's just this incredible love and affection that happens there, but, but what does it mean for us to be like a child? I mean, I, I think there's a couple thoughts. One is we trust. That little girl, the, my little grandbabies, they, they, they trust me because they don't know better, right? Not that I'm bad, but just that's just who they, they, that's what's in them right now. This trust, they depend upon us. Like a child is being dependent. I'm dependent upon what God is doing. And so I think that's the two big ideas. Maybe another one is innocence. But there's an innocence there. There's an expectancy there that I'll be loved no matter what. I don't even know that I would, shouldn't be. I mean, just this idea of all what it means to be like a child. And too many of us have not been able to experience the kingdom of, our God, of God in our lives because instead of being like a child with a receptive and welcoming heart, we've lived with a closed heart. And maybe today, that's you. Maybe today you're here and your heart has been closed off. Maybe, and I'm just going to guess maybe, that you've been hurt. And because you were hurt, you're no longer like a child. You're like an adult that's been hurt and you're upset. And see, God still wants you to experience the kingdom of God. He still wants you to do that. But somehow I've got to come back to that little childlike trust and dependence and innocence that say, God, I give it back to you. I receive and I welcome this, what you want to do in my life. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Receive and welcome. What does that look like in everyday life? It means that I'm open, I'm ready, and I'm willing. My arms are open, and I'm ready. Let's bow our heads and pray. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed before the Lord, just you and Jesus having a moment here, let me ask you a couple questions. How's your heart today?
Are you aligned in your heart with the Father and his kingdom? How's your heart today? What's the real thing that's going on inside there? What's really happening inside of you, within you? How is your heart today? Are you truly broken before God? I need help. I'm undone. I've made a mess. Is that where your heart's really at, Lord? Every day I realize that without you, I can't make it. I'm poor in spirit. Is your heart humble? Are you at that place where you're bowed down and you're not trying to promote yourself? You're only trying to promote him. Is your heart generous or is it clinging? Is your heart open to receive and welcome what God wants to do? I'm just going to simply ask this. If you answered no to any of those, would you just please raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand. You see me? I know that's me. Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, several hands. Lord, I pray for the hearts in this place that have not given themselves fully to what you want to do in them. And so, Lord, right now, this, just that there would be a heartfelt decision that says, God, I'm yours. Help my heart to be broken. Help my heart to be humble. Help my heart to be open. Help my heart to be generous. God, I'm asking for your spirit to move upon my life that I might experience what you want me to in the kingdom. Open my eyes to what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.